Thank you for listening to the following film's podcast. Today, my guest is Howard J. Ford, director of the new film, The Lockdown Hauntings, which is currently streaming on VOD. Hope you enjoy the show. Dates. Oh, got it. Got there it. we go. Perfect. Thank you so much for taking time out of your afternoon to do this, Howard. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Christopher. Thanks for thanks for doing it yourself. <laughs> yeah. How are things? You're in England right now, or where? I am. In, I am in the UK. I'm in the south of England, so it's kind of like an hour down south um, by the sea, um, in a place called Eastbourne. Um, oh. Yeah, which is where I shot uh, this very nice family movie. But we're not here to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's another story. Uh, <laughs> whereabouts are you? Uh, I'm in Arizona. So not oh, me. Lovely. Yeah, it's about eight o'clock in the morning right now. So oh, I hope you've had coffee. I have my I have my lockdown haunting special special cup here product. Oh, product look at that! Here. Fantastic. I'll, I'll cheers you from here. <laughs> there you go. And so, can we talk a little bit about? Um, there's a couple of things that uh, the inspiration for this film, um, making a film that's set during lockdown, but I think you took a decidedly different approach to it. This is the way that we see each other right now is the way that people have seen each other for the last two it's years. At this point, I, I realized I should have credited Zoom uh, on the end credits. I, I, I've blundered there, but uh, you're absolutely right. All of a sudden the world completely changed and, and the lockdown hauntings I, I made, I was trying to work it out today. You know, it's actually a year and four months ago I started shooting it so it, it, it wow. was in the very first um it was in the very very first lockdown and and i was two kind of two weeks into it and everyone you know we've been told that's it stay at home don't see anyone anyone can kill you you know i mean it was kind of like the, the fear the anxiety the isolation so i started with with those three things really i i mean i was meant to be making another movie called the ledge We've actually mm -hmm. since shot that movie, but um, that's another story. And uh, but so that was put on hold, like everything was put on hold. And we thought, well, the cinemas are going to die and, and everything's, you know, as far as we were concerned as a business, it was like pretty much over at that point and everything was yeah. shut down. But then I'm an impatient guy uh, and uh, and I can't sit down for very long. So I thought to myself, well, I, I wonder if I can make something with the fear, isolation, anxiety, can I, can I do anything still? I mean, I, uh, and then a friend of mine who's, you know, sadly his father passed away from this virus and my uncle did. So, you know, my, my uncle uh, caught this virus and it, it got him. And then some, he said to me, my friend said to me, do you know how he said this, this virus is, is not even alive. It, this is, this virus is not even a living thing. And I thought, well, that's just totally weird, right? And then I researched it, which I'm sure you could do. And it, and it isn't, it's not alive. So this non-living thing, this non-living thing was out there taking innocent lives, wreaking havoc and causing a, a mess for the authorities. And no one knew how to deal with it and no one knew what to do for the right thing, you know? And so I thought, well, okay, can, can I A, operate within that as a filmmaker? <laughs> B, can I actually tell a story uh, that, that you know, but also portray the this time of life that we're in. So I kind of thought I want to represent this period of time, you know, uh, that we're in, and and do a movie from it. And and I actually was going to do something a bit more lighthearted, but then I thought, no, no, I've done a couple of horrors, and I, I think that's the way to go with this thing. So I had a bit of a sleepless night over this because I once I'd 
figured out this idea. I thought, okay, well, this virus is not alive, so it's not a living thing. So, I thought, and it suddenly hit me. I thought, as a plot, this is a ghost. It's the ghost. It's a ghost of a serial killer. And that when when that when I sort of connected those dots for myself, I kind of had this nightmare. I'd, I could not sleep at all, and I was processing this story. And I thought, yeah. I thought, well, these actors are at home. That the actual actors are stuck at home yeah. in the first place because I've been seeing all these social media posts where th that's what was going on, and everyone was pissed off with that, and and the theatres were closed down. So these wonderful actors that would have been treading the boards here in London and everything else, and and so I thought, well, I you know I want to work with these people, and uh, I put this post on social media that said, actors, if I was doing a if I was doing a lockdown movie, and I I could film you in your own home, uh, and uh, without any crew, because the lockdown hauntings, you know, my next film was made with 64 crew members, so just to put it in perspective, this yeah. film was made with no one, you know, I went around with, I took the cameras, I took the tracking equipment, the lighting, the, the sound stuff, and you know, all of a sudden I had to become an expert in setting up a microphone, and you know, it was kind of a, a weirdly one-man band, and, uh, but once I got the idea about the ghost, I thought, well, this is kind of, this could really work because often I don't even need the killer. You know, the killer doesn't actually need to physically be there all the right. time. Um, that's where it came from. That That's how it started. And I, I was actually going to, I'm glad you brought up the, the idea that you, they were filming in their own homes because it was something that I noticed that uh, all the sets, as it were, um, they felt very lived in. You could see the books that were on people's shelves and their records and things like that. And it didn't feel designed. It felt very living. It gives an authenticity to the film. Thank you. Well, I really, really appreciate that. I'm so glad you've noticed something like that because you're right. And I have to say, I'm, uh, you know, that, that, that so and they were their homes. You know, 99% of that was their homes. If, at the very worst, it's like we moved to a the nearest thing, the nearest available thing we could we could do. But uh, yeah, you're right. Those little details, aren't they? Because and I've noticed that about uh, designing stuff. You know, I've worked on a lot of well, this is my eighth feature film as a director, and I've done more than 250 TV commercials. And I always notice, particularly with the TV commercials, that the sets, you know, I mean, and don't get me wrong, these are wonderful artists at work here, but uh, you can't put all those those clutter, those those little things that, because they don't want them in the advert. And as a result, mm, the world, you kind of know that it's not really a real world. And I've, I've never been a huge fan of that, but I've had to work within that. So straight away for me, you know, normally I've got on a location recce um, and I, oh, I, I, I've i got to admit half the places I filmed in, I probably would have walked in and gone, yeah, not big enough, <laughs> not this, not that, and the walls are too bright, I'm not sure about the colour, and I'd have probably, you know, um, rejected it as a location, but th that it was that was it that was the location and in a way it was very refreshing and you know the other weird thing about it was I, I didn't have time to write this movie I had I, I from that sleepless night that I mentioned two weeks later I was in my car driving around the country I felt like the Amiga man uh, I was uh, <laughs> driving around the country in, in my my four by four stacked high full of equipment on my own it was like there was no one on the pretty much no one on the roads it was the weirdest thing uh, and I was just driving yeah. around the country thinking, felt a bit naughty in a way, you know, I shouldn't be doing this. And I'd, I'd be on the phone to the actors. So uh, making up the lines as we went. So often I, I would ring the cast ahead, for example, I'd be in the car and I'd speak to them and say, you know, I want to do the scene. Maybe you should be ringing your mom and uh, this is roughly what you should say, but, you know, feel free to make it your own. 
but but at the end of the day i kind of want this bit of dialogue and we we would note it down and we would so it's, there was a lot of stuff that the the actors blessed them i had a rough idea of, i mean i had an i had a skeletal structure of the whole thing but i didn't know exactly what the dialogue was going to be and often the actors would say do i get killed in this and i'd go I don't know yet. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's see how that goes, you know, uh, whether you survive or not. It's a really weird way to make a movie, but totally different from anything I've ever done. But it's it doesn't feel like a typical movie in that way. And it feels like something special because of those things, because of not just the limitations of limited storytelling that you're having due to the lockdown, but using actual sets when you walk into a room. And like you were saying, this is too small. I would never have in this set but this is what it is yeah that's how people live we don't live in a room based on the fact that you could do a 360 degree shot in the room with the camera no. we just that's the room that we could afford and that's where it is and i yeah. really it, it's something that gives whether it was intentional or not it gives a layer of believability to everything that's happening in the film and it allows you to invest in it i think more thank you well that's that's really great to know and that's this is not in a funny old way, you've opened up something that I probably, you know, I have to admit that I, I wouldn't have considered the that authenticity side. And I wouldn't have considered that that was something I felt I was making do as a filmmaker. Uh, but actually, that was a great that was a great benefit. The other thing that was of great benefit, and I realised at the time, was because I literally turned up on my own. And, and some of these actors, by the way, I'd never met. So it's like, mm -hmm. hey, nice to meet you can't shake hands, um, you know, I'll try and stay two meters apart, let's come in and yeah. within 20 minutes we were generally filming. Um, and the, what was interesting about it was, it was as an act, the actors had no one else to perform to because no matter, it was just me in the room. And they could, so they were, they were very free with, uh, because there's no one else. And normally there's a crew, you know, there could be like 20, 30, you know, a hundred people. Um, and no matter what an actor will tell you that that does play that those people being there plays on their mind. Um, of course. And, and actually there was no one else there. So it felt they were alone kind of, you know, and, and so that enabled them to be more free. And that was definitely a benefit, I think. And the way that you jump around though, to all these sort of uh, locations, jumping from actor to actor and going through, and it feels almost um, like vignettes in a way where you have these small little short films that are tied together through this, haunting through this one you know underlying story that's going on and they each have their own unique feeling in a way and it's really kind of a, a gift and i think that's the gift of limited you know your limited options that you had in it and it's something you would never think of telling a story that way but could you talk a little bit about your decision to move the camera the way you did it, it it's constantly moving this is something that I had very specific expectations of this because when I saw the trailer, it's in four by three for some reason for the film. So no, I was why? Expecting... The film's not four by three. So hey, no, it's not. not. Yeah, and yeah. so it was something I was like, oh, this that that's that's interesting. Let's see what he's doing. And then so I was completely taken uh aback because it wasn't what I had anticipated at all. And in fact, the way the camera moves throughout the entire film, it feels very active. It, it's constantly moving. You're constantly moving in and out of these people's lives as well the storytelling as well as the movement and it doesn't feel like a zoom movie which is sort of the approach that i think a lot of people have taken with pandemic 
films at this point. I think they did, and it's exactly why I didn't want to do it. Uh, I thought it had to be completely different. And one of the things I did once I, after that sleepless night I mentioned earlier, I I realised there were certain things, certain crew members I couldn't have. So I very quickly, you know, bought like a gimbal device, like a sort of Steadicam mm-hmm. new version of what would be a, what would have been a Steadicam. And I thought, well, I normally need a person for that. Let let me learn that. So you know. I bought one of these and learned that because I thought to myself, no, I'm, I'm going to make this. I'm going to make this as if I've got 50 people. You know, that's what yeah. I was going to try and do. Uh, so I thought, no, I'm going to have I'm going to have tracking movements. I'm going to have camera movements. Uh, you know, I may well have overdone it in places. I'm a little guilty of that because in the TV commercials that I make that, you know, generally speaking, well, I thought to myself, if, you know, if I was on a if I was on a TV commercial shoot here, and I had all of these people, what would I do with the camera? Right, try and do that. So I'm going to try and do the same. And also, I, I, as a director, I'm a believer in guiding the audience's eye through the scene. So I kind of want to, mm-hmm. I, I want to show where the actor is there, but I also want the, I want the, the people watching to know what's there and what's over there and to kind of give them that perspective on everything so, so they're aware. And also because I was using this business of trying to make household objects a threat <laughs> but you know yeah. like you know scissors or or even you know someone you know being attacked by a draw do you know what I mean which hopefully right. hopefully is less silly than it sounds but but I wanted I wanted those things to be a threat so I wanted the audience to be aware of those those items that were around so having some camera movement had the benefit of making it cinematic but it also had the benefit of showing the audience you know kind of what's there and, and taking them forward on a journey really you know, I think if it, if something works on the radio, you should stay on the radio. So I do think film is a visual medium. So I, I'm a little guilty sometimes of, of overdoing movement um, because I love it. I, you know, I've always loved camera movement uh, as a filmmaker. You know, I've always appreciated it. Um, but I really did not want it to be a Zoom movie. So thank you for noticing that because I wanted it to be nothing like that. And the taking these household objects and making them scary and then taking a great deal of this makes sense because of the way you're filming this and putting it in daylight and using natural lighting for this because it just wouldn't work you couldn't set all this up and do sort of the normal horror tropes but because of that it's again it's something that gives it an interesting flair could you talk a little bit about the idea of making a horror in daylight yeah it's, it's true because you're absolutely right uh, although i had a small amount of light i could not have these you know 12k HMIs or whatever, all the things that you yeah. that I would love to have used and, and a load of people to rig them and de-rig them. Uh, I wouldn't have the time or the resources. So yes, there is a lot of natural a natural light in there. And um and 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 also practical effects. Yes. That, that's the other thing. I mean, there, there is some, you know, there is some CG enhancement of things. Uh, and but what I did, but when I decided when I realized I had to do this with no crew. Um, I mean, I was a fan of films like The Exorcist and The Omen and these films that would creep me out as a youngster. And uh, so I, I thought, and I remembered this scene in The Exorcist where a chest of drawers, you know, comes across the room towards the, the, the actress and, and it was kind of terrifying. And then I saw the making of this, you know, many years ago. And I remembered there was just some, there was just some guy pushing this thing. I'm like... That was, and also there was, a, there, was a, there was a scene in The Exorcist, I remember where, where Ellen Burstyn walks past a, and she stands and she just looks up at, at, at the, I don't know, what the, the 
the not the cellar. I'm, I'm going. I'm going crazy. The attic door. Yeah. The, um, the, yeah. Where you can see the the subliminal shot very quickly. Of, yes. Yeah. And, yeah. and there was a noise in there. There was a scraping right. noise. Now, now there's probably nothing up there whatsoever on, on the set. Um, and uh, but yet that those 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 things were terrifying to me. So I, I thought, well, I need I need to tap into all of. I need to go old school with this. I need to go back to how, how it might have been done before anyone was even thinking about CGI. So, you know, out came the fishing wire, and you know, without giving it all away, but I realized, well, I have to kind of do this stuff my, myself. Um, and the crazy thing was having no crew. You know, I was there with the camera sometimes sort of doing a tracking shot. And then with my other arm, um, you know, with a with, yeah, yeah. With object along, and it, I was just thinking, this is totally nuts. I, I have no idea if this is going to work, <laughs> you know, but I'm going to have a go. So I, 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 it was important to me to try and make, because here's the thing: with I was trying to represent what was going on in the world with COVID, with the lockdown, with the virus. I was trying to represent it filmically, and I thought, well, with this virus, we don't know that this virus could be on my table. It could be on my cup. It, apparently it could be anywhere all of a sudden we're all washing our hands a lot more than we did um and i thought well this threat this this ghost this threat, we have to not know how near it is and we have to not know the proximity of the threat so this, so then i thought well that's yeah those that's where i bring the household objects in and make make them a threat because if you could be scared by the possibility you're going to get whacked or you know whereas without giving it away you know the 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 dressing gown robe, the the knife that the, the first victim, you know, gets embroiled with. I don't even know if I've answered your question. <laughs> well, no, 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 you have. And, and, and honestly, and it's like something like the bowl gag actually really works. It, it, it's these little things that actually are, you can, you, you look at it and you're like, that's tactile, that happened. You don't, there's, you can't see the strings per se, but it's not something where, you know, this wasn't done in a computer. And whatever you that is, yeah. 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 So it just yeah. I think that it it um it's more impactful when that yeah. when it's something that's real. Um can you talk a little bit about bringing in Tony Todd as the voice? Yeah, oh Tony Todd. Uh, I love love that man and, and you know I I actually um I'd met Tony on a we were both sat very close to each other on a flight to Los Angeles from London to Los Angeles some years back. Uh, we were sat close enough to kick back and have a lovely conversation which we which we did and um and he'd seen and thankfully liked my <laughs> film the dead you know that, that yeah. myself and my brother john uh, made 10 or 11 years ago and uh, and he liked the movie so that was a good thing we had a nice chat and i was a fan so you don't often get to work with someone you're a fan of um and so when i decided to Here's the thing, I'd met his manager as well, and I'd worked with John Reese davis uh, who mm -hmm. from Lord of the Rings, on a champagne commercial. And then well, when see, I- he'll, he'll always be Indiana Jones to me. That's, I, I think I'm of a certain age that, yeah. No, no, I'm with you, I'm, I'm with you. And uh, in fact, that was on TV a couple of nights ago. I was, oh, there he is, love that man as well. So it yeah. turned out that they had the same manager. So I was like, hey, we had this nice little chat uh, and, you know, uh, and, and he said, well, look, anything, you can, anything I could do is a lovely guy, Jeffrey. And I said, anything I could do for you, let me know. And when I had the idea to do this movie, I thought to myself, I, you know, I need a really, I need, I need an actor with gravitas that, that has been in some movies. I thought if I, can, if I can weave in a really good actor that has prowess and, you know, uh, 
a name and a presence. And, and I thought, and I sat there, I've got to admit, I sort of meditated for, you know, I try and do a little bit of that when I can to clear my head. Mm -hmm. So I sat there and about 10 minutes in, it went, bing, it's, it's Tony Todd. And I thought, wow, I'm not going to be able to get Tony Todd for this film. I'm stuck in the UK. He's stuck in America, probably. But do you know what? I'll get in contact with the manager. So I just sent him an email or something. And I said, crazy idea. I'm doing this lockdown movie. I'm going to cast all these people from the UK, including Angela Dixon from my previous movie, Never Let Go. And I reeled off all, sent him a bunch of people that I was going to work with. Great actors like, you know, John Campling and Sarah Jane Potts. And then I said, is there any way I could get like Tony to play this, um, you know, paranormal advisor type thing i hadn't even properly worked out the role i quickly gave him a name and and, and, he, and then he, he rang me we had a chat and, and he said well look send the info i spoke to tony he remembers you well and if he likes it maybe he'll do it and and so i suddenly got this well this could be amazing <laughs> yeah. and then and then i sent him a couple of pages of april said this is how i see the guy i think we can shoot it like this um, but feel free if you want to add some dialogue and add some bits and and ask and i sent him a few samples of what we've been doing so far and he was like yeah let's go you know and then it was <laughs> i felt really bad really. I, I don't know if i should say this in the interview but i think um i wanted i had to shoot it at a certain time because i wanted to shoot it when i was shooting the scene of angela dixon you know when i was doing her stuff because i had these people for a certain period of time he she was going to be speaking to him via zoom and yeah. so I really wanted to do it at the same time. So, so the performances at least connected. I didn't want to shoot them too far apart. And I've really only just sent him the lines. And, and it was, I think it, it's probably not a cool thing to do at all, but, but I was like, I really want to just do it at this time. And, and he was like, oh, I, I haven't had enough time to process the material and get into the character, I think. He, but, and I was like, and I, I sort of pushed him a little bit. <laughs> I was like, please, can we just give it a shot? If it's really no good. Um, you know, we won't use it and we'll we'll reschedule it. And bless him, um, he came on and, and we we did it and it was just so great. Uh, the moment that guy opens, you know, moment Tony Todd opens his mouth at the beginning, just his yeah. voice, um, that's, that has, to, and I, so I opened the film with a, it's a bit old school, you know, it's, it, there's a scene with, I hope, do not adjust your set. It's, it's a scene on black at the beginning with just his voice and, yeah. uh, well, see. when you have that voice, do you need anything else? Really? I don't think that do. No, I think anything else would just just ruin it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I love him, and uh, you know, so there's all these all these characters I wanted to weave in and um, and try and connect the dots, and also try and have a with the lockdown hauntings. I kind of wanted fine. You've got these young female victims of a serial killer. You've got Tony Todd. You've got the police in, investigation. Uh, but I wanted other layers, you know. So then, then I thought, I, I wonder if I can tap into something a little deeper with the history of what happened and why the killer was the killer. And so then I tried to bring in all these these layers because I quite like those kind of layers in films myself. There's a little bit more going on than meets the eye. It's something that lends itself to revisiting a film. It's something that makes it say there was when things feel intentional and they feel thought out, even if you don't know exactly what the filmmaker was getting at. I think you can feel intention as opposed to something that's just accidental. Um, that they might it might accidentally have depth to it as opposed to no, we thought this out. This is what we were trying to get across. You might not exactly connect with it, but you can feel purpose. That yes. makes sense. Yeah. No, it, it totally makes makes sense. It's good to hear you say that. And it 
so it, it, I always try to sort of inject a few extra layers in there. It's whether, you know, there's still hopefully enough of the creep out, enough of the, the jump scares and enough of these things, you know, spread throughout, but there's also a little bit extra, you know, for people should they well, want to. The jump scares in the film, they're, they're fine and they're there and they, and they work, but it's honestly, it's the performances that make this particular piece work for me. It's honestly, you could remove the paranormal aspect of this and I think your story still works. You could have people just struggling with this isolation and it's because the paranormal element is a reflection of that isolation, I think, that it really just does tie together and feel like a natural extension of it, but this works as a drama to me. Brilliant, brilliant. Thank you. Well, I think that's that's great because first and foremost, it, that is the aim really. To, it, it should work without those, you know, and then adding the, the ghostly serial killer in, okay, fine, that spices it up. That, that yeah. spices it up a bit. But the reality was that the actors at that time, you know, and they were brilliant. I was so, so lucky with the actors that I was able to get. They were all in a world of uncertainty. Quite honestly, then uh, in that first lockdown and everything grounded and no one able to go anywhere and, and you know, they were very, you know, we were all in a really uncertain situation. So for, for a brief moment to come and sort of almost take their mind off it and be able to do something within that, um, yeah. you know, was refreshing. And, 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 and I think we all, we all appreciated just having something to focus on at that time. And it represents, it, I hope, no matter what happens, when people look back at this film, and you know, presuming they will look back at it, it represents that time. You know, you know we were all... You know, if I make a film about, I don't know, baseball or whatever, you know, not everyone is into it. Not everyone has played it. We've all been a bit locked down or affected by this thing. Oh, absolutely. Um, but I think when you make something incredibly specific, if it's baseball, if it's pandemic, whatever that is, um, if it's honestly representing something, it might not be your experience and it would still work. Now, this is something that has been universal and it actually works as a time capsule already because it does reflect these ideas like you were talking about surface transmission and these things that we don't think about anymore. But at yeah. that time, and we're still you know, in the middle of this, we're not, not exactly out of the way. Yeah, yeah, it didn't, didn't go as quickly as we thought, did it? No, God, it, it, it was supposed to be the summer at the latest. Like, you know, you would have people saying the fall maybe, and those were the pessimists. So, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's just, I, I think that it does work in that way as a reflection of that very specific time. Um, that it will take people back to. And this is something that anybody that is, whether you're 11 years old or you know 111, we had a reaction to this. You'll have that memory of where you were, what things felt like for this window of time. And I think yeah. that it would be something that's worth looking back at years from now, because you could kind of get back into that headspace again. Yes, yeah, so you see what, and also the, the different characters that, affected in in different ways and the things they talk about with their family members and things and their job and and the way that it's you know and i hope also that you know because none of us want to go back into lockdown but you can you couldn't uh you know for an hour and a half you can go back into that vibe of it you know knowing you're going to come out relatively quickly and and, and sort of relive that journey but you know very very different very, but very it doesn't different. to the film's credit though it doesn't it, it gets you into the headspace of remembering what that was like, but because of the movement, because of the way that the film was constantly changing locations and moving around, it doesn't feel like an isolate. The watching the film is not an isolating experience. It's actually something that makes you feel connected. Yes, great, and thank you. And also, I'm just hoping that that the um, 
it would also be refreshing without giving too much away when when someone breaks uh, quarantine rules and goes out to go and see someone they shouldn't see that you almost feel a bit you feel that journey with them but because of all these people you know being stuck in these situations you know you feel that moment of then getting out there yeah and it has the um moral stamp of a filmmaker i guess it's the questionable behavior that you have in horror films except instead of a couple of teenagers smoking pot or having sex you know it's this is the this is that crossing the line that they take yes and i, I think that it's playing with that it's, it's a very fun movie how when and how can people see it that's that now it's coming out uh, digitally and on demand uh in north america from the 19th of october um, okay. and there is a physical DVD. I must admit, I'm a fan. Of, it's not, that's that's another version, but uh, there is a physical. DVD. I still love to have it to hold the the movie myself. Same here. Uh, yeah, there's a thing about that. Um, that's happening from um, middle of November, I believe. I think it's November the 16th. That that will be in stores and available. But it's um, digital and on demand from the 19th of October. So in time for Halloween. There is there is a little nod of the hats to Halloween within this film yes. that may not may not have passed you by. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there's that in there as well. Um, so yeah, I, I hope it's uh, you know it's it's really great to, to talk to you and hear this because it, you know we made this film obviously it's made in the UK. Tony Todd is there, but and predominantly it's a British cast. You never know if these stories are going to to work with our you know American friends, and it, it's great to hear that it. You know, it feels like you've picked up on the the points that I would want people to. So it gives me a sense of optimism that our American. I think it will. I, I think this is going to connect with people. I honestly think this is something that has that rare crossover ability where the genre fans will embrace it, but also people that are just looking for something that's a little bit spooky around the holidays, but it's not too much. Doesn't go over the top here. I think that they yes. would enjoy this as well. Yes, it's not, and again, you know, it's not, it's not, you know, full of blood and gore. There's a couple of moments that, 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 that are, you know, that head that way. But um, yeah, hopefully, there's enough to give people an experience, give people a ride. So, if, if somebody sees Halloween Kills, I don't know if you've seen that yet or not, but if you if you see the body count in Halloween Kills, and that makes you uncomfortable. This might be a little bit uh, an antidote. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't want to make uh, you know. Stab you in the breast, part five. I don't know. You know, I didn't. <laughs> you know, although that could be quite a commercial title, to be fair. Um, you know, that it, might be. You know, I would be surprised if it doesn't exist already. That just seems yeah, like yeah. a. Well, I'm, I'm not going to go searching for that online. <laughs> I get myself into trouble. No, I, I don't want, want my wife coming across that. So, no, no, so no, exactly. that yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today. No, I, thank, I really thank you, Christopher. It. Really, really nice to talk to you, and thanks for having me me on. And I really appreciate every, everything you said about the lockdown hauntings as well. Really do. Oh yeah, no, it's 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 fun. I think people are really going to enjoy this. So, but and by the way, I I really dig the dead. That's a, that's a great movie. Oh, so, thank you, Matt. Yeah, that, that was a, that was a ride and a half that that damn um, in my you know i have to say my brother who john who now lives in france i think he still you know got um ptsd from that film it was you know making that movie because going across africa you know just yeah. the shot 35 mil and super 16 with celluloid and just trying to make an old school zombie movie the cast and crew nearly all 
died at some point. I mean, you know, lead actor with malaria. When I think about, hey, I was in lockdown, making the lockdown horses. Do you know what, with a virus everywhere, you know, give me that any day of the week than one day on the dead, because that movie was, was ripped your heart and nearly your head off on a daily basis. Um, and you can feel that in every frame of that movie. You can, it does you. not feel like this was anything that was just found or easy to come by. It, it really wasn't. I remember, I, I remember doing shots around my, you know, we went, my brother and I would literally be framing a shot. You go, okay, let's put, excuse me a minute. You know, I'd like, okay, yeah, should we put a wider lens on that? You know, I mean, basically, that's how we made the movie. If the sound recordist wasn't vomiting or, or his body wasn't a human food blender or he wasn't nearly dying of malaria, we could do dialogue that day because we had a sound. That, that's basically how the film was made on a daily basis. I'm not sure I'm going to go there again. <laughs> I can't blame you, man. Uh, that's the original uh, US uh, poster. I must admit, I, li I, liked, I liked that. It's a good poster. That, uh, they did a good job with that, so the skull in Africa. But hey, yeah, I still wake, I wake up sometimes thinking, oh, I'm back there, but oh, no, I'm not. It's okay, I'm in lockdown with COVID. Absolutely fine. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> thank you so much, Howard. It was really was nice. It was a pleasure, you. Christopher. Thank you. Catch you okay, soon. Man. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Uh, Bye. Time enough to figure you out Time enough to write this down Wish me luck, give me hope